Hello and welcome to Is Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we're talking about The Report today, which I really fancied. Um, I don't know if you knew too much about it. No, I barely knew it existed, actually. Uh, I didn't know too much either, but I knew it was Adam Driver. I knew it was about CIA um, torture memos and torture reports, which I knew a little bit about. And weirdly, coincidentally, um, I've been watching old uh, episodes of The Daily Show recently, which was the American satire show mm. that John Stewart used to host, Nash Trevor Noah, from sort of 2010, 2011, when things were kicking up at the time about, about the torture memos. And John Stewart had interviews with people like John Yu. Um, who who had written them? So, you know, some of the stuff in this, particularly early on, was very familiar to me because it, I was in that headspace a little bit. Mm. As the film moves on, uh, it, it it covers a good ten years between sort of two thousand and four and two thousand and fourteen mm. of Adam Driver being a Senate staffer who works for uh, Senator Diane Feinstein, played by Annette Bening, who I think is great in this, mm. and he is tasked with uh, looking into. Enhanced interrogation techniques, as they were called by the CIA, to everyone else torture, which was being used at uh, CIA black sites across the world to interrogate Al-Qaeda higher-ups, all sorts of enemy combatants. That's another Mm. CIA term, although I don't think it's one that shows up here, but that's a term that's basically used for we don't want to have to charge you with a crime, we don't want to have to put you through a trial, you're an enemy combatant, we're allowed to take you and do what we like. And... In investigating this, it was supposed to last a year. That's a, that's the kind of time frame he's given to do this report. It ends up taking several years. He works on it for at least five. And then he gets to the point where it's going through the fight to actually be released. You go from the Bush administration into the Obama administration. Things change. There's still a fight with the CIA about redaction sort of thing. I think it's a really interesting story that evolves mm. and just kind of keeps on going. And, ch- and it's dramatic throughout, I think. Mm. But the drama kind of changes throughout as the as the fight changes. Okay, I must say I didn't think so, but yeah. In what? In what? Well, for me, I didn't know anything about it, and I must say it took me a little while to kind of clue in on what was happening. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until like two thirds of the way through that I actually felt a sense of excitement about how it was, you know. Would, would that be the point where they're arguing with the CIA about redactions? Because that's, for me, maybe the most dramatic point of the film, or the most exciting. It was slightly before that. It's the, you know, it's the point where the Adam Driver character is, is, is being charged, you know. Right, yeah, because he takes a document in an attempt to speed up the public knowing about this. Well, actually, I don't, I don't think that's what happens. He doesn't... Well, he know. takes a document and provides it to the other senator. I forget who it was. And kind of goes above Feinstein's head a little bit because he works for her. Yeah, and he gives it to the other senator who is who is questioning the new appointee to the CIA on that confirmation hearing. All the stuff I'm saying is like that is how into the weeds the film gets in terms of detail. It's one of those mm. that is very focused on detail. It's very Amazon Primey, which which feels like a weird thing to say, but there's something Amazon Primey about it. There's something almost brutalist to its aesthetic. It, it is quite brutalist, yes. Um, um, in a kind of grey, washed out sort of Yes, way. I kind of like that, though. So do I. Mm. Um, and I think in terms of the focus on detail, I mean, it gets into its story incredibly quickly. 
And I, I understand what you mean about needing time to start getting into its rhythms and suddenly getting into the way it talks about things and, and even just what it's about, really. Yes, I mean, I suppose my problem is... I, well, I'm going to make a conservative statement, I suppose, because my problem really is that it's so much about the procedures. It's the real procedural, right, that actually kind of the people are almost like bypassed. Like, you don't get a sense of what the protagonists are as people, mm. what their lives are outside of, you know, getting this report done in public. Um, so so I think it kind of... It lacks a dimension there. And I think also there's an element in which the film doesn't work as well as it might. Because, of course, you know, like many of these films, it tries to be congratulatory at the end or self-congratulatory at the end. Yeah, the report has been done. It's out. We're sorry. We're not like that. Mm. You know, at, a, at the moment where, you know, the U.S. is like jailing children and splitting up from their parents and they can't even put them back together because they don't, they're so disorganized about the documents. Yeah, so... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there is a sense in which this kind of film, and this film does exactly this, says the reason that this is such a great country, being America... Um, is that we own up to our mistakes and sunlight is the best disinfectant and we get the truth out. And that is the most American thing. Yeah. It never actually says the most American thing is doing all this shit that needs to be exposed in the first place. Yeah. Like, it seems quite American to be torturing people for no good reason. And one, of the, one of the questions that I'm glad the film eventually got to, but I wanted it to kind of approach throughout, was if torture doesn't work, which is the argument that it makes throughout, and yeah. it's what is what this report, it's a, a real-life report by a guy, Dan Jones, who I'm driver plays. This report makes this case very clearly that torture, enhanced interrogation techniques, do not work. If they don't work, why did they do it for so long and cover it up? Right, And that's yeah. the question that it only, only actually asks, I think um, even uh, kind of subtextually asks at the end, which is when the, mm. the reporter actually asks Adam Driver and he gives that speech. They didn't answer that question either. Well, he, he gives he, he gives a, a reason that's to do with fear. He says it's to, do, it's to do with fear. We were all scared after 9-11 and it was knee-jerk. And then the fact that they, they, they set up a system in which for it to be legal, it had to work. And if it didn't work, it wasn't legal, meant that they were incentivized to cover it up. Yeah. So it, there's a kind of, there's a sort of logical sense to it, but... It, it's not it's not an intuitive sense, I think. Or There's speed. a real 1984 immoral and ethical and unethical kind of uh, trope there, which is if it works, it's legal. Yeah. Whereas if it doesn't, it's illegal. I mean, you know, well, that's not, that I is think an that's, outrage. I think that's <laughs> something that the film is criticising. I don't think the film expects us to actually... Th- like, that is something that the CIA is setting up to kind of lie to itself about, basically. You, have, know, you know, when but characters it, say... It has to work, otherwise it's illegal. But when it despairs for the culture, because, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, I read Elizabeth, Elizabethan history, you know, and the way that, the reason why kind of certain kinds of torture were just not acceptable was just because they didn't work, right? For the reasons that, you know, people will tell you anything, right? Yeah. Like, to kind of, to get it to stop. So, so, I mean, this is just... But the problem I have with that is less the reasoning that's given, um, and more the fact that the film doesn't actually attempt to... It, it's such an important question, it, you know, it, because it's such a huge thing to do to someone, to, to torture. And so the mechanisms of changing the words around it so that you can get away with it, I think, have an effect on kind of feeling better about it yourself and that sort of thing. 
but the film doesn't approach any of this with that interrogative eye. It it just kind of very flatly tells the story of the report from Adam Driver's side. Yeah. Of such, you know, it the 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 psychology or the reasoning behind doing something that does not work, what does not do what it's supposed to do at least. That's what I wanted more of. That's what, I, that's I, that's what I wanted any of actually. Yeah. It's ultimately why I find the film unsatisfying really. Yeah. I mean you know, I mean, I think it's an interesting case. Uh, um, it's good that there's publicity about it. I wonder if the publicity couldn't have been done through another form, you know, through an essay or something, <laughs> right? Like, I think, you know, there's lots of elements that I think the film doesn't really fully explore. So, for example, one of the things that I would be curious to know is whether this, this torture continued just because it made money for the people involved, mm. right? Because, you know, one of the things that they say is how much money was involved in it. Yes, right. the contractors in particular, the quote unquote psychologists that they got in to provide scientific support for the st- for the so they made eighty million eighty million dollars of it, and they weren't qualified to do anything. Exactly right, you know. And actually, they even got a five million dollar indemnification clause, so that actually, if somebody sued them, you know, they would yeah, they would be compensated, or you know, that money would be there to defend them. I mean, so so you know, this is one of just you know one of those America is a business <laughs> thing, including its justice system and including the CIA and so on. It's a business. And I would have liked to have seen how that business kind of, you know, works through. I think kind of follow the money here is a more interesting question to me, you know, than follow the bifurcations through which it kind of rationalizes things to itself, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Although I do think that uh, I suppose you can only kind of go so far as what is actually known. Like the film is not conducting its own investigation; it is telling the story of an investigation. Yes. But on the um, sort of government, CIA, FBI, institutional side, I think what's in what's what the question is and what's interesting is the clash of institutions that are all supposed to kind of work for the same. They're all supposed to work for the American people. But actually, there are these huge clashes. You've got the White House, you've got the Senate, you've got the CIA, and they're all fighting with each other and supporting each other at different kind of points and with different mm. reasons, which I think is interesting, particularly when you get to, to the redaction stuff. Mm. And it's the Senate on the one hand, the CIA on the other. Mm. And, you know, there's a thing that Americans are very, very keen on um, their institutions being set up to provide checks and balances. You know, and the Constitution is all about that. They're very keen on how every every kind of arm of government overlooks all the others, and they do it at the same time. Mm. And that's kind of something that you see dramatised here, I think. Except here there's something different, I think. Because, you know, I'm not too uh, familiar with the finer aspects of the American Constitution, but it seems to me that it's one thing for a separation of powers to exist between the executive, the Congress, and the Senate. It's another thing altogether for the CIA to be as big a player in these debates as it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, the film pauses the CIA as being, you know, at least as big as the Senate or someone able to take on the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, it's like it's an equal branch of government almost. Yeah. Like, you know, to the presidency or, you know, well, theoretically serves the presidency, but, you know, it's kind of, it's got within its power to challenge the Senate. It's not my understanding of it at all. You know. No, I don't think so. Um, it's so a, it's a spy agency, That's exactly. In theory, um, you know, which every now and again goes down to South America and overthrows a democratically elected government, and which actually requires Senate approvals for money and other things. Yeah. So, um, you know, anyway, I don't know. 
But my my point is that I didn't think I didn't find that satisfying. So I mean, really, kind of, um, I've seen quite a lot of these procedurals. Now that I think of it, so I think in a way one could see all the president's men mm-hmm. as a kind of you know a procedural. There was spotlight, which I think is also a kind of you know a procedural. Uh, what was the one about the money? You know the financial system. Uh, well, there's probably one or two, but you may be thinking of the Big Shorts. The Big Short. Yeah, I think yeah. these are all films that kind of you know have interesting things in common. Right. Right. Well, they're talking about institutional kind of abuses of power. So some yes. degree, institutional cover-ups, institutional blindness. They're, and ultimately, they're all about institutions, and they're about um, exposing those institutions' failings. And they're about methods of exposing them, and what's at stake in hiding, and what's at stake in exposing. Yeah. You know, and the tension comes from those things. I didn't think that this, to me, had much tension. No, I, I agree with that. It is, I suppose, that when I sort of said it was plainly telling the story, I think that's kind of what I was thinking of mm. is that it 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 moves from one scene to the next with kind of narrative drive and and quite a lot of energy a lot of the time but the sense of what's in jeopardy for any given character there isn't much of that at no. all yeah may, maybe when you get to um there's there's a sort of light indication at some point in the story when adam driver is getting quite frustrated that this, this story is not being published this report he's worked on for years is not coming out and he starts to slightly take things into his own hands which is when he takes that one document for instance um and feinstein says you know what do you think of edward snowden as a kind of you know are you going to be this are you going to do that and when he starts talking to the reporter there's a question of is he going to come out because i didn't know this guy so i don't actually i didn't know whether this report was uh uh released as it turns out it was or whether it was leaked so so it was a question to me but even then, when that happens, not an awful lot of tension. You're right. Um, I think this film, what's most attractive about it for me, and really almost the only reason I would recommend it to others, is because Adam Driver carries the film. He's absolutely excellent. Uh, but he's excellent in terms of um, a presence. You know, and kind of in the way that he looks and the way that he moves. Like, he really kind of conveys everything. And he's very appealing, you know. There's a pleasure in just watching him move, actually. Mm. So it's a real... It's both a good performance, but it's also a leading man performance. He's somebody who can carry a film, right? Um, What's attractive to me about him in this is that he's so normal, which I think is kind of unusual for him. Like, uh, And, and that maybe sounds like a criticism, but it's not. But he's, he's someone who... Um, is very often just a little off center in in kind of personality or behavior. It's just something you notice about him. And if you think about him in Girls or Patterson, he's he's either he's kooky or closed off or something like that. Yeah. There's some behavioral aspect to him that is off. Yes. In here, he is a very normal person. Yes. And kind of and I think extraordinarily believable. And I think his descent into kind of obsession at one point it's almost like zodiac-esque you know like jake gyllenhaal kind of with paper strewn mm. around um is quite convincing and affecting and anyway i think you know he's got that leading man charisma he makes you believe in what he says you know and he's appealing you know all the while and he really carries the film and then the other thing is i think annette bending is great you know kind of i think hers is a great performance 
you know, she kind of indicates character and, you know, there are little things that she does with her mouth or the way that she purses her lips or, you know, the kind of, she, that she indicates a mistrust and a kind of a playing the system and a kind of trying to sift truth from what people are saying. I think she's absolutely excellent. Uh, and that to me would be the reason to see the film. It's, it's interesting what you said about getting no sense of the characters' lives um, because it's, it occurred to me right at the start when you first meet Adam Driver, which is a kind of flash-forward bit where he's some years into doing his report and he mentions to someone that he was in a relationship. He's having a conversation with someone he says, oh, you know, we split up basically because the work got too much. Mm. That's the only thing you hear about a girlfriend. Yes. You know, he is... The only thing you hear about is personal life or his private life or anything yeah. outside the job. Yeah, exactly. You I never mean, see him at home. He's always in the office. You never see him at home. You never see him showering. You never even see a meeting. So actually, <laughs> all, all, you, all you find out about him is that he's very involved in this case that he knows to his fingertips. Yeah, um, Which I think is... It, it, the film uh, references Zero Dark Thirty at one point. Yeah, Just Catherine Bigelow... Jessica Chastain mm. thing about uh, catching Osama Bin Laden and her character had exactly the same thing going on obsession with the task um, and you know it's it's only referencing that he kind of sees the film like a trailer for the film on telly because that's a period of time that the film covers um, but I think that that seemed very deliberate oh yeah no, I think that was deliberate like they are putting... the same person yeah well I think it's more than that I think it's also about what what Zero Dark Thirty is about yes yeah um, yeah so, um, but anyway, I'm glad we saw it. I mean, you know, I subscribe to Amazon Prime. So the question becomes, you know, why did we go see it at the cinema? I'm glad we saw it at the cinema. Yeah, I kind of, I haven't seen, I haven't seen how it looks on Amazon Prime yet. But um, I think, you know, it's a film that does ask, is demanding of an audience. Because actually, it asks you to keep all the balls in the air of who is who and what's happening and who is doing what, right? You know, and it is about a foreign country, and actually, it's about the minutia of a foreign country's legislative procedures, right? I mean, frankly, if we were they were to take us here through procedures in the House of Lords, I wouldn't be able to follow it very well either, right? Yeah. So it is, it is asking you to pay attention to all of those things. Yeah, they are almost like plot points. So, um, so I think in a way it succeeds in doing a difficult job, but I also think, you know, it would have lost me outside the cinema. I think a pre-existing interest is, um, helpful, uh, if not crucial, but definitely helpful because like you say, I, I, I had less trouble keeping those balls in the air from the start because I, this was covering stuff that I was more familiar with uh-huh. maybe, um, in terms of watching it at home compared to the cinema. The reason that I went to the cinema to see it was because I didn't know it was on Amazon. Oh, right. I didn't know this was, this was as we've since discovered, um, not produced by Amazon, but picked up by them when it had its premiere at Sundance. Mm. So it's being distributed on Amazon as well as in cinemas. And um, had I known, uh, it was I don't have Amazon Prime, but I might have watched it with you here. Had we, had we known? Mm. I don't know. I'm glad I saw it in cinema. I think it works in the cinema and I don't think it would work as well at home for the reason that you state. Yes. That it, you know, would would might lose your attention. Yes. Yeah. I think I don't know. I think it will. Um, I mean, this is an ongoing debate, really. Um, and I don't think it's as bland visually as it looks. With I think it kind of does look. 
I think it's not bland visually. I mean, actually, I think it does all these interesting things with, you know, the concrete and the brutalist architecture and, you know, their interesting use of light. There's an amber light kind of thing happening. Um, so I think it tries to do interesting things visually. Um, it, I notice walls in the film quite a lot. Partly that huge concrete outside wall of the skiff, the secure... That's facility. what I mean by brutalist architecture. That's what, and that's kind of what I referred to, was thinking of, of early when I referred to brutalism. But also inside, like, walls are so important that you get some rooms which are... You've got, for instance, the skiff, the secure facility, is uh, coated with... You know, kind of photographs and notes and links and documents, all that kind of classic mm. um, putting a case together kind of thing. You also get these walls that are uh, kind of anechoic chambers. You know, I don't know exactly why that is, but you get these walls with kind of weird patternings on them. Even that one scene where it's uh, Ted Lamine's character, who's become like head of the CIA, having an interview in some room with someone, and it's not a room you see again. It's not even that important a scene. But the wall has this weird thing going on, this kind of bumping texture thing. I don't know. I mean, I think that the film tries to do visual things and it succeeds in some of them. I mean, my own favorite shots was, you know, the, the shot that you get repeated over and over again of uh, uh, Adam Driver jogging or, uh, um, you know, with his suit kind of going down the steps with the capital overlooking, right? So, you know, every time he's going to do something transgressive or that he's going to be approached by another, yeah, there's always, like, the Capitol in the background or something. Oh, yeah, and the um, Washington Monument as well. That's right. So so I think the film is trying to do stuff. So I think... But I also don't think it succeeds as well as it can. No. You know, so. you know, the other one I noticed is when they first try and release the report and it's like 7,000 pages long and they're in the room with all the various senators say yay or nay um, as to whether they should release it. Adam Driver is sat there with the report either side of him and it's a, it's two mm. huge stacks of paper and that's it's like the World Trade Center. Yes. It's like these twin towers of this report and there's something in there about like about like how th those those towers being a symbol of America and now they've become this is like the symbol of America. The truth is the symbol of America mm. in these reports, but we're not going to let it out. Yeah. Um. And I thought it was funny, funny amusing, I suppose, that, that, that they gave the end of the film to John McCain um, and a speech uh, he gave. That was weird. Because I think, I think the thing is with him is, um, whatever you might think of his politics, he's an American hero. And he was tortured in a POW camp, wasn't he, in Vietnam? That's right. And I think that's kind of why they Which gave makes him that... a loser for Trump, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, he likes his heroes that weren't captured. But um, you know, so it's and it's a real speech that he gave that they're showing on on TV. Um, and in fairness, I don't actually remember what he was saying in the speech, but I'm sure it was along the lines of "This is why America is great." It works. The truth comes out. That's right. And also why torture is wrong, which I think is part of it. Like, that's an important part of his particular um, relationship to the torture memos. I know, but I just don't get that ending, you know, because it does aim for a rah-rah kind of patriotism. It does, yeah. You know, and A, it doesn't work. And the reason why it doesn't work is because, you know, hello, are you watching the news? <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> And then the other thing they do right after that is give the very, very final end of the film to a quote from George Washington, yes. which is about if you see something wrong. Well, yeah, essentially, essentially George Washington is saying in like 1782 language, if you see something, say something. Yes. You know, which is the most American thing. 
and it, it, it does very easily slide itself into those platitudes. You know, really, the Senate does nothing wrong in this film. The Senate... Is, like the one, well, you mentioned Spotlight, right? And the thing to me that is most interesting about Spotlight is that the newspaper that is uncovering this story about uh, uh, sex abuse and paedophilia in the church is part of the story. It's, it's, part, it's one of the institutions that failed. And that's one of the things they have to realise. We were part of this. That's not anything that this film kind of approaches. The Senate doesn't do anything wrong here. The Senate is part of no, trying to get it. No, but the presidency does. Yeah, but that's not I the mean, Senate. I mean, in the figure of... Um, John Hamm. John Hamm. Who represents the president, essentially. That's right. So, you know, and who's seen as a very compromised uh, uh, figure, um, which is actually interesting because he is meant to represent Obama. Yes, yeah. So... I don't know who he is, actually. I thought he might be Rahm Emanuel, but I don't think he is. And if he is, then Rahm Emanuel should be thrilled. Um, Dennis McDonough, it's not a name I know. He was, he was a White House Chief of Staff under yeah. Obama's second term. There you go. Um, but yeah, but the, the thing about kind of sort of saying we, we are the ones, who, we, should, we need to look at ourselves as well. That's not, there's one point where I think it's when he's getting very frustrated, Adam Driver that this thing isn't coming out and he says to Annette Benning, you know, if the, if you continue to stall or hide this or whatever, then aren't you part of the cover-up? Hmm. That's one line of dialogue. It does all that stuff through dialogue. You know, it's a very written film. Yes, it is. Um, the guy who wrote and directed it is, what's his name? Uh, we just looked it up. Scott Z. Burns, or Scott Z. Burns, being an American. And he's an interesting sort of character. He's mainly a screenwriter. He's only directed this and a film in 2006 called PU239, which I've never heard of. It apparently yeah. has to do with plutonium in Russia. It seems to have a similar kind of mm. sort of uh, institutional failure, cover-up-y thing going on. He produced An Inconvenient Truth, which is its own sort of uh, institutional failure, cover-up-y thing from 2006, which was the Al Gore film, I say film, PowerPoint presentation, about climate change that people are only now sort of realising they should have taken seriously at the time. Hmm. Um, he has screenwritten The Bourne Ultimatum, The Informant, Contagion, Side Effects, uh, The Mercy, which was that boat thing that we never saw. No, Common I didn't see film. that, but I've seen all the others. I've seen Side Effects. And in fact, this was produced by Soderbergh, this film. Oh, was it? Yes. I didn't notice. He's in, well, he's in the credits, so... Okay. Um... I'm surprised to see him in the Bourne film because this is a very unborn film. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's almost like the opposite of a Bourne film. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in in the kind of detail orientation. But I don't know. I, I think I can see. I can see. I can feel a kinship, you know, at the, at the kind of screenplay level. But obviously, in terms of tone and feeling and direction, it's on a different scale. Yes. Um, um, different type of thing altogether. I mean, there is something about the way that the narrative moves backwards and forwards. Yeah, this keep go keeps going back to during the war yeah. and the people who are actually doing the torture, and you see it. So, so that's interesting. Um, it's got run-throughs of things that keep repeating, which is whenever he leaves his office, you know, he's read, "Do are you carrying anything?" Blah blah blah. And he always avoids the qu the answer. Yeah, that's right. He always he says something else. See you he, tomorrow. Have he never a good actually night. says no, does he? Yeah. So yes. Um, so I thought something was going to come out of it, though it didn't. 
Really? No, because, especially because that's the start of the film as well. You open on this thing of him stealing the document, oh. and it turns out that that's not the kind of uh, keystone of the film as you think it might be from that. You know, whereas for instance, like I think Snowden. I don't remember actually, but I think the Snowden film with Joseph Gordon-Levitt so. started off with a similar scene of him taking the stuff, and then you kind of flash back to where he started. But that obviously was for Snowden the keystone of his story because once he stole that, he was on the run. That's not what, what's happening here. No, I mean I liked it. I liked it, and I think a predicting interest helps. I'm not sure that it's essential, but it's possible that you get into the weeds watching it on Prime and go, "Oh, I'm not into it." But I had a very good time. Well, I can't say I did, though for me the film was worth it, just to see uh, Adam Driver and Annette Benning. They made it worth it for me. And also Michael C. Hall. Yeah. Yeah, who is a shadowy figure. He actually doesn't get much dialogue, though he is very present in the film. And I enjoyed watching him seem normal as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean you After know, Dexter. He, he plays somebody a bit shady, but like normal shady, yeah? Uh, yeah, he's so, normal, like government issue, government cover-up guy. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's that's that. I, I I actually, you know, I it has it has too many formulaic elements to it, and it and it very it too easily settles for standard issue. America is great for these reasons and not these reasons. Things. I mean, and, to good credit, it moves. Well, or the narrative moves well, rather rather than the film moving well. I.e., you know, the narrative moves at a clip, and you're not bored, right? But for me, it wasn't. It just wasn't complex enough, mm. you know. And it also had this element of bad faith. I, you know, that the film is positing this as something that's unusual to happen in America, you know, and that it's in the past. And actually, yeah. it's it's a nonsense. It's more present than ever. You know, we know of more corruption than ever. You know, this is by no means a moment of American heroism, but actually of a pattern of shameful behavior <laughs> that has been engaged with in at least since Vietnam, right? So kind of, so that whole narrative thing about, oh, we won because we made it public. Well, big deal. Things are coming out in public every, all the time about how, how, what awful deeds have been done in, in the names of American people. It has far far too simplistic good guys and bad guys, you know, which I would always return to spotlight as the thing of going, right, realising you're part of the problem. You know, this, this doesn't have anything like that. The bad guys are here, the good guys are here, and what they're doing is very obviously wrong. And, you know, which is why that question of why did they continue to torture is such an important one, because it is made so abundantly clear that it's not effective in gaining intelligence that it really demands an answer. Why do but it? I won't the even, film doesn't. I'm not even buying it on those terms. It's not just that it's not effective uh, uh, in gaining information. It's it's illegal and against uh, you know international recognized not human. Yeah, rights. but that's not the point. It's it, the well, that's not the film's point. No, no but it's my, what I'm saying is, from the CIA's point of view, the reason to torture people is because it's effective. I know, but... So the question then no, but is... I don't want to buy those terms. No, I, I know, but you got to let me finish. If the CIA says, we do this because it's effective, but then they actually know, as the film makes the point, that they knew it was never effective, then the question is, why did they fight so hard to do it? Why did they continue to do it? And that is what is missing from the film. Okay, that's one of the things that is missing from the film. So, because... So, yeah, 
you know, so we discussed this earlier. I believe yeah. there's a money dimension that's not discussed by the film, right? That it kind of hints at, but doesn't say probably because it'll get sued, right? So, but I, I actually don't even buy the film's premise. <laughs> you know, the, the film isn't even critical, you know, or isn't critical enough that actually that's a permissible premise, you know, that it's okay to do anything you want to anybody you want, you know, so long as it gives you new information. You know, there are international statutes. There is international law, mm. you know, that it's going against, right? So I think the film would have been richer if it had been more intelligent and more complex on all of those issues. And it doesn't at any point try and make a moral argument. No, and the film, neither the film nor any characters try and make a moral argument. The argument is entirely about kind of what was covered up and whether it was legal or not and whether and they went beyond the bounds of the law. And that's law. why the film is not good enough. Yeah. Because, you know, you can see how to win a court case or to win this point in the Senate or in committee, that is the line you have to take. Yeah. Yeah. But but there's no reason why the film itself should take that line. Yeah. Why well, yeah. it couldn't have additional dimensions and bring in kind of moral and ethical kind of issues on the very premise itself, you know, that... Uh, Congress and the Judiciary Committees are working with, yeah, and and create that distance. We understand why why the Judiciary Committee has to work with that premise because that's the way they either win or lose. But the film needn't work with that premise. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so yeah, at least Adam Driver and Annette Benning could have had a moral some dimension. moral framework. Yes. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I mean, actually, in that respect, I think it is reflective of 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 the culture, especially the culture of the time, where even on the news, this was always the argument was. Did they exceed the bounds of the law? And and the only and actually the only person I ever remember bringing up the moral dimension, uh, kind of at least at, at least in a, a, a kind of repetitive sense that it actually mattered was John Stewart on the Daily Show, where he made the argument that it doesn't matter whether it's legal or not, or whether you went beyond the bounds of the law, what laws you set for yourself, it is morally wrong. Well, I mean, this is the whole thing with the current discussions on Trump's impeachment. Here's somebody with like I don't know how many lawsuits pen- of sexual misconduct pen- pending, you know. So I, it's like an American president has l- real lawsuits pending. So contrast what's happening here with Prince Andrew at the moment, right? Which you know, there's an allegation, right? It hasn't been brought to court. There's no lawsuit pending as far as I know, but yeah. you know he's had to resign. But yeah, he's yeah, yeah from yeah. all. And then here's a president, a president of the United States, like involved in fourteen kind of sex cases. I mean, yeah. it is and, and, and it friends is with unbe- Prince Andrew, Jeffrey Epstein, exactly. So, and part of that Epstein circle. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just gross and disgusting. Uh, but it's true that the media doesn't bring up those issues. I mean, a lot of the debate is, you know, is there enough to impeach with him? You know, how partisan are, you know, the Republicans going to be? Will it make it through the Senate, even if it makes it? Yeah, there are different yeah. kinds of questions. Then, yeah. you know, what is that person doing as American president? And why are the American people willing to put up with it? Yeah. Although a film that was about the tension between those two questions, I think, could be quite interesting. One that said the moral question is fundamentally important but practically important is the legal one you won't win on the basis of a moral question you will win on the basis of the legal one yeah but you know a yeah. film is not a court case <laughs> no no i'm just, just yeah. sort of thinking so, about that anyway yeah. uh i liked should... it you know um despite a few flaws in there it is it is my kind of thing i've got to say you know i like this kind of thing and people who like this kind of thing will find it to be the kind of thing that they like 
Uh, all right, then, Mr. Tautological. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on... SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, iTunes, and Spotify. Uh, on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, at Eavesdrop Movies. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Good. Bye-bye. Thank you.